Blog Talk Radio. Fix it, no guarantees, but hopefully 
Uh, we will give you the best show we possibly can here tonight. And we thank you for tuning in. Uh, excited to be here tonight because I got my tag team partner on the line. And it's awesome because right now in 2017, my co-host and myself combined have just as many wins in the NFL as the teams we root for, which is exciting, which is probably why we're talking wrestling. Let's bring him up on a Sunday evening, because why would we want to talk football? On Sundays, we're talking wrestling. Dave, how are you doing this evening? Ken, thank you for that warm welcome. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to a technically deprived edition of the Ken Reedy Show. I am glad to be here. I And football, yeah, wins, losses, those don't matter. Just like in wrestling, wins and losses don't matter. Do the Giants need to win? Do the 49ers need to win? No, they don't need to win. They just need to show up and collect a paycheck. Exactly. And, and man, like, you know, it doesn't like – you know, the fact that, like, we've taken a room in our house and kind of renovated into a makeshift radio studio. That doesn't matter at all. Thank you, Blog Talk Radio. As we have to just kind of hang out and, like, do the show on my phone, which I, I should – it should be kind of a good thing because, Dave, you're always on the phone when we do the show. So it's kind of like – I should take this as it, – it's a kind of an empathy training I'm getting, like, what it's like to kind of spend the day on on the phone, like, doing the show. But let's get into it. Last week, I think, you know, in all honesty, even with the technical difficulties, which are existing, like, now two shows in a row, not that I'm calling Blog Talk out or anything, but we did a kick-ass show considering our boy Rocky, internet, internet, independent wrestling sensation here with us, doing our picks doing our preview for Hell in a Cell, and we were very, very optimistic on that show. That show, on paper, had a lot. There was reason for optimism. Um, There was not a match on that card, at least booked beforehand, that you looked at and said, oh, my God, that's going to be awful. And we'll discuss. Maybe, you know, if you want to be particular, maybe it makes some booking changes. Maybe it changed the order of matches a, a bit. Were there, were, did every match knock it out of the ballpark? No. In my opinion, every match was at least a strong single into left. Some doubles in the gap, maybe a couple of home runs over the course of the card. I don't think there was one strikeout over the course of that match, as I overdo the baseball metaphors, I think, I don't know if I could sit here and say that the WWE knocked it out of the park with Hell in a Cell, but I thought it was a very good pay-per-view, very entertaining, and if we're going to sit here, as fans do, as we do, if we're going to sit here and criticize the WWE, we're going to criticize creative when they drop the ball, give credit where credit is due, I don't know about you, Dave. I thought maybe not kick-ass, maybe not knock it out of the ballpark, but I would say if I'm going to plant my ass in front of the television screen for a few hours and watch some wrestling, I thought Hell in a Cell last week 
was a very, very good pay-per-view. Drag did not disappoint. Gave us some spots that we could be, you know, we can go, oh, wow, and, and have those water cooler conversations on Monday. I thought Hell in a Cell was a real good pay-per-view, Dave. I completely agree with you. I thought it was a great pay-per-view. One of the, probably the best single brand pay-per-view this year in WWE since they've done the brand extension. And I said that on last week's show. It had potential to be pay-per-view of the year, single brand pay-per-view of the year. I think it was the best outing from one of the brands to do a single pay-per-view. You've gone with the baseball metaphors. I'll go with the football metaphors since we talked about football at the top of the program. I thought there were two touchdowns, and those two touchdowns I'm referencing were both Hell in the Cell matches. For a PG WWE environment, those Hell in the Cell matches – I, I would I would consider them touchdowns, definitely for sure. I mean, the Usos and New Day, they, they their their chemistry and the innovative ways of their storytelling in that match to open up that show was just it was it, it was awesome, it, and it was a hard act to follow. And then you know the main event with Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon, that personal rivalry, the physicality, the crazy bump that Shane took, that twist at the end with Sami Zayn turning heel and 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 helping Kevin Owens win that match. I mean, like I said. For the PG WWE era that we live in, and we've been critical of Hell in the Cell being placed in that PG era, it was pretty damn physical and in many ways violent. Not and, and not up to the standards of what prior Hell in the Cells in years past have been, but pretty close. Um, we saw some field goals um, in the form of the Triple Threat United States Championship match. I thought that was uh, I thought that was definitely a field goal. The the swerve with Dillinger. Um, added another, uh, you know, component to the mix, making for uh, a pretty entertaining match, as well as the um, the uh, the Randy Orton Rusev match. I thought that was definitely a field goal, um, definitely better than the two 15-second outings they've had on on pay-per-view and on TV recently. And then the free safety, the free safeties came in the form of the women's match and the Dolph Ziggler Bobby Roode match, two matches that I was really excited for that I felt weren't bad but could have been a lot better and I think judging by the results of those matches and how things have transpired this past week on Smackdown those issues are not over yet so overall for me I thoroughly enjoyed the pay-per-view best single brand pay-per-view WWE has put out since the brand extension in the last year yeah and then that's high praise I mean you know I guess as wrestling fans you know the easiest thing to criticize is you know, when, when you have those quote-unquote throwaway pay-per-views, those pay-per-views that are not the big four, and uh, Hell in a Cell, and we talked about it last week, and Dave, you brought it up, and, and I, I think it's an excellent point when it comes to Hell in a Cell. Hell in a Cell is, is a paper, it, it's, an, it's an event, it's a match. Hell in a Cell is a match that should not necessarily have its own pay-per-view. Um, it, it should be something that ends a blood rivalry, ends something that's so intense where it, it could happen at any pay-per-view. Um, it could happen at WrestleMania. It could happen, you know, any Survivor Series. It could happen at, at in your house. It could happen anywhere. The thing is, it's because it's something where we're selling this once and for all, and it's going to be, and I challenge you, to a hell in a cell match. And that's the way it should be. 
having a, a Hell in a Cell pay-per-view kind of diminishes that fact because it has to be. There has to be at least one Hell in a Cell match. That being said, they did a nice job. Timing-wise, you gave us a blood rivalry with Shane and Kevin Owens. And Shane's spot was dazzling. Uh, the, the, the turn with Sami Zayn, didn't see it coming. Um, that was cool stuff. But I don't know, and I want to get your take on it, Dave. Uh, for me, if, if I have to go negative, and this is really, this is me being like uber critical. Um, again, we're saying right now, the WWE did a really good job with this pay-per-view. Arguably the best single brand pay-per-view of the year. So anything critical we might say on this show, we're acknowledging, congratulations, WWE Creative. You did a nice job with this pay-per-view. That all being said, for me, the match of the night was the Tag Team Championship. And that's where I can be critical only because that's, that's tough, man. When you have your first match is the match of the night, where do you go from there? And booking-wise, and am I skilled to be a booker? Probably not. Should I be criticizing booking? I don't know. Maybe I got a show, so whatever. I'm going to do it. So I, I don't know if I would have booked that show, that match, to kick off the show. I get it. They kind of bookend, bookended the pay-per-view with Hell in a Cell matches. I get it. I get why they did it. I really do. I get why they put that match first. But for me, spot aside, and God damn it, all the respect in the world for Shane McMahon. I'll tell you, man, I've been in the ring. I've taken bumps. I have primarily taken bumps because of this show. Because if, if I'm going to sit here and be critical of wrestling matches, if I'm going to do this show, I should at least have an idea of what it's like to be in that ring. That's why I got involved. That's why I became a pro wrestler. Uh, because I wanted to have that frame of reference when doing the show. Holy shit, man. What, I mean, what Shane McMahon does, Shane McMahon is, is, is the billionaire's son. He doesn't have to do any of this. If he said, yeah, I'm not doing anything, I'm not, I'm, I, I, you know what, just, just make, give me a talking role. He doesn't have to do this. And, and there's something in the McMahon family, there's something in the genealogy in this family that is just, they, they, they are wrestling. They are, and him, the spot he pulled off at the end of that match is just, it's ridiculous. It, it's, it's just effing ridiculous. Um, I can't say that I, I would ever, I would love to sit here and say, given the opportunity, yeah, like, Give me a cage. I'll jump off it. I'll do that. Man, that shit's scary. That, that's scary. And I, uh, kudos to Shane. Um, spot of the night for Shane. Match of the night, I got to go with the Usos and New Day. Um, those guys, th- th- their in-ring chemistry is, is awesome. Um, the New Day, they are brilliant in the way that they can – 
turn the switch on and off with now we're being comical, now we're being violent. Or back to being comedians. Or being violent mother efforts. Like, they can do that. And they've kind of and, – and, and, and when it comes to wrestling and performances, I, I think you're, when, you, when you refer to someone as brilliant, the brilliance comes in the subtleties of a performance. And what New Day has done in the subtleties of their performance is they've allowed it to make sense that they can be silly – and they can also be violent. And they've allowed us as an audience to buy into when they're being serious and when they're not being serious. And I think that's a credit to the brilliance of what New Day has done over their time period of being together. On the flip side, I think the Usos are probably the best tag team in the business right now. Um, as a fan of going back, I mean, my favorite tag team ever, if I had to pick, would probably be the British Bulldogs. Um, but I grew up in that era of tag teams being tag teams, not two guys that were thrown together. Um, you know, when I grew up with, with British Bulldogs, the Hart Foundation, um, you know, those tag teams were just, they were the shit, man. And, and the Usos just... To me, they're that throwback. They have that vibe of just that that true hardcore, but like in, in a new millennia sort of way. Like they're not they're not dated. They just have taken that traditional British bulldog, killer bees, heart foundation, the rockers. Like name them all. They've taken that traditional tag team style and they've updated it. So, I, to me, when you look at that tag team match, you look at two teams that are brilliant in the way they present themselves, brilliant in the way they can perform in the ring, and on top of their brilliance individually, they have tremendous respect and chemistry together in that ring. I mean, it's gotten to a point when it comes to the Usos and New Day. I mean, screw it. Just book them every every goddamn pay per view, and and let them dazzle us. They have such solid chemistry together. I there's not enough positive I can say about that match. So, as I'm saying this positive, the only criticism I think I I, I might have to say for Hell in a Cell is when that match is the match that kicks us off. When that tag team match is the one that opens us up. To me. It was a really difficult bar to be able to to get to, and, and it's it's kind of double edged, man. I guess I'm criticizing and I'm complimenting at the same time. Brilliant performance by the, the two tag teams, but if I'm allowed to put my amateur Booker hat on, I may have booked that match somewhere different in the card. But teams and everything they did. Absolutely spot on. If you're an independent wrestler, if you're new to the business, to me, if you want to get tag team wrestling, if you want to get chemistry in the ring, watch that match. I, I thought that match was great, Dave. It exceeded my expectations. I knew they were going to go in there and tear it up, and they did, and I loved it. I mean, the the, the, the storytelling, the psychology, like the, the to start off, and I'll, I'll, I'll try and be as brief as possible, but when – you brought up that point about how New Day was so good at going from comic relief 
to badasses and, you know, jokesters to, um, you know, comedians. Like, they were they, – they, they drew that they, – they walked that fine line in that match, so much so down to the entrance. And I don't know if you noticed this, but they came out and they did their usual dancing around, blowing on the trombone, you know, throwing a box of bootios out in the crowd – but the minute Xavier Wood stepped into that cell, that smile, the, 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 the seriousness, the look that was on his face, he was looking up into the cell, around the cell. He, like, he put over like, the severity of a match of that magnitude against the Usos it, just by that look. And like, even down to the point where like, in their promo when they got in the ring, it wasn't their normal promo where they did a lot of pandering to the audience and then Biggie ends with the New Day rocks and they all clap. It wasn't like that. They knew how to be serious in a situation that was called for and I thought that was brilliant on their part. But at the same time, they added elements of comedy to that match that made sense and worked. Um, for instance, my favorite spot, and if you and if you follow me on Facebook and any other social media, when I posted the, the my status about doing the show tonight, I did a picture collage, and one of the pictures was of uh, one of the Usos cornered in the cell, but with kendo sticks kind of uh, almost in a way handcuffing his entire body against the cell like he was like chained up to the cell. I thought that was brilliant. I thought that was absolutely brilliant what New Day did there. And you're right, Ken, double-edged sword when it comes to being positive about this match, but in some ways slight 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 criticism as to where it was placed i i totally have no problem where it was placed but i will say that if that match did go on last i think it would have been a smart move only because it would have put a feather in the cap of tag team wrestling because in the last three or four years tag team wrestling has been taken more seriously in wwe storylines than it has going all the way back to the the era of you know the dudleys and the hardys and edge and christian and I think it would have been, re- like I said, it would have been a, a great way to to showcase tag team wrestling by letting them go on last. But understandably so, Kevin Owens and, and Shane McMahon, that was a personal rivalry that was, uh, you know, like you said, a blood feud in many ways. And it made sense for that match to go on last. Regardless of that, it was it was great how they sandwiched those two matches for Hell in the Cell in the pay-per-view. And... I said it last week on the show. You mentioned it just now. I put these two on again and again. And when they brought those other tag teams out on SmackDown this week, the exception of Gable and Benjamin, I was like, please, please, just get them off my screen. I want to see another match with New Day and Usos again. But it looks like they're stepping away from that right now based off of Gable and Benjamin's win in that match. And, you know, they'll face the Usos at a later date. But Usos and New Day, their chemistry and – reminds me a lot of the chemistry that Edge and Christian had with the Hardys when they first started hooking it up on TV before they even made it to that, that first tag team ladder match. The, the, the matches they have have just wowed you. A lot of matches been matches of the night on pay-per-view in the last few months, and definitely this match was no different. I'll even put this match as a match of the year contender for WWE pay-per-views. That's how good it was and innovative it was with these two teams. And, and I don't think that's, that's hyperbole or exaggeration or anything like putting this in a match of the year. And, and in all honesty, like, I think it's great, you know, depending on where, you know, it, it's interesting being a wrestling fan and being older wrestling fans. And, uh, you know, the era I grew up in, 
tag team wrestling was was important. It, it meant something. Um, you know, growing up for for me as a wrestling fan, uh, you know, for, you, for all you kids out there, for all you youngins that are listening to the show, sit down and gather around your computer or your smartphone or wherever you're listening to this, and and you know, realize that. When we grew up with tag team wrestling and, and wrestling as a whole, um, we didn't look at, like, guy needs to be bumped up to the main event. Oh, this guy. You know, as fans, when we were kids, we didn't know the terms. We didn't know the, quote, insider stuff. We didn't sit there. I didn't sit there and watch the Hart Foundation wrestle and say, Oh man, Bret Hart needs to be pushed as a singles guy. No, that's not how we watched wrestling. These teams were introduced as teams, and we didn't look at at guys as, or oh, what can this guy do as a single star? You know, we we they were just teams. And, and I just think the Usos are kind of that throwback. They're, they're that throwback feel of they're a team. They're they're not a, they're not a guy, two guys that are how like let let let's put the Intercontinental Championship on Jay Uso and see where it goes. Um, that's not where we're at with this team. This team's a bona fide team. And that's why I'm an Usos fan. And and I agree with you, Dave. Like, this is a match, and, and I get the dynamic and the storytelling that's going on. I get what's, what's happening with, with uh, Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens, and I get why it's the main event. However, this, this match could have been the main event. Bar none. This could have been the main event, and if it was the main event, that crowd, unless you're a God damn negative, bitter IWC mother effer. If this was the main event, you would have went away happy because those guys brought it. Um, so I, I dig everything these two teams are, are bringing to the table, uh, especially the Usos. To me, the Usos are a throwback team that they're true tag team. They really are. And, and I dig what they're bringing to the table. Um, that being said, main event, Dave, I thought the main event was good. Um, they gave us a wow factor, which you, you had to. The problem with Shane McMahon at this point is Shane McMahon has put himself in a position where he's known for spots. So if Shane is in a match and doesn't give us a spot, we're going to be dis- wrestling fans are going to be disappointed. If there was a Hell in a Cell match, and Shane McMahon didn't do something out of his mind, fans would be crazy. And that that's the thing that's, that's insane about Hell in a Cell and how people establish their reputations. Shane McMahon, like, Shane McMahon and Kevin Owens could have given us an A-plus match, a four-star match, a five-star match. But if Shane McMahon didn't do something crazy, a lot of fans would have been disappointed because he's established himself as a crazy spot mother effort. 
And I thought the match was really good. I thought the spot was insane. Again, not something I would ever want to do with my body. Kudos to him. Um, intriguing stuff. Um, but I, I would say, like, look, it was warranted to be the main event because the storytelling going on. Um, I, I think you could have put the tag team match as the main event. That being said, the match did not suck. I thought they did a good job. They did a good job at really continuing this idea of this is just a blood feud. These two guys absolutely hate each other. Um, Dave, what were your thoughts on the main event? I thought it was good. I don't know if I would say it was great. It was a really good match with a great spot. Um, But that's Shane McMahon, and that's what he has to give us, man. Yeah, I mean, going into it, I was – like we said on the show last week, the false count anywhere stipulation in in a hell in the cell match. It was like one of the biggest oxymorons that I've ever encountered as a fan watching pro wrestling. Um, but it was obviously designed for the spot that we saw at the end of that match. Um, that's why it was slipped in there. And I'm kind of glad that they spent a majority of the time in the cell and only used that false count anywhere stipulation when it was necessary. Um, because I was afraid that like they were gonna, they 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 weren't gonna spend enough time inside Hell in the Cell for what people really paid to see, and they were gonna be like either in the stands or maybe they would have been in the parking lot. They would have done some crazy stunt there. Like that's what I was worried about that would have taken away from the match. Um, with Shane and and these 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 crazy bumps he does and having feeling this need to top himself. Um, you know, if you're since he's been back, you know he's had a few matches, and he had that one Hell in the Cell with Undertaker at WrestleMania a couple of years ago, and he did the elbow drop in Undertaker mode, and that was something that a lot of us expected. And I'll be perfectly honest with you, watching the match the other night, you know, watching that match last week with Shane and Owens, um, I thought Owens moved out of the way on his own accord. I didn't realize till the camera panned over to Sami Zayn that Sami Zayn helped him move. Like, that's how good the camera work was and how they were projecting that story to us as viewers. Because at first I thought, oh, here we go, same old, same old again. He's going to elbow drop, and, Shane, and, and Owens is going to move, and we're going to have the same thing happen that happened with Undertaker. But they took it a step further by having Zayn get involved and pull Owens out of the way at the last minute. And like I said, the storytelling and the production of that I thought was I wouldn't say genius, but I thought it was really well done. Um, I liked how they when, they, when they got up on top of the cell the first time, that they spent, like, a good amount of time up there, and they, like, they teased you. They, they gave us a good tease as to if Owens was going to throw him off the cell or if something, like, crazy was going to happen. Like, I thought that pop-up powerbomb, Shane was going to go through the cage, and he'd kind of go through the ring, similar to what Foley did in 98. Um I didn't think it was a great Hell in the Cell match, but I thought it was good, and I thought it was better than expected um, for WWE's PG standards. And I love the twist at the end because Sami Zayn's a talented guy in ring, and I feel like, you know, this underdog babyface thing, it's like a Daniel Bryan 2.0, but, you know, or Daniel Bryan light. And now he's got, you know, a different dimension to his character, being a bad guy associated with his best friend, Kevin Owens, who he's got a lot of history with on screen and off screen. I thought it worked out really well. and I thought it was a good way to end the pay-per-view. I feel like in hindsight, if 
if they did put that match on first and they just reversed the roles of the cell matches with the sandwiching, I felt like if they did that same exact spot and Zayn helped Owens win that match, that thing would get replayed all throughout the night like we watch replays on Monday Night Raw for three hours every Monday night. And I, don't, and I think that would have taken away from the pay-per-view. I thought, in a way, that was a good way to end the pay-per-view. So, overall, Usos, hell of a match. Kevin Owens, Shane McMahon had a good Hell in the Cell match. And the pay-per-view in general, the best single-brand pay-per-view that WWE has put out. And what are your thoughts on tonight on last week's pay-per-view? Three four seven eight three nine eight one five is the number to call again. Three four seven eight three nine eight one five is the number to call. You want to talk Hell in a Cell? You want to talk Raw? You want to talk SmackDown? Give us your thoughts. And tonight, as an added bonus, every caller, every, every, every caller. That calls in tonight, you will receive for free an autograph, 8 by 10 by Dr. Frankenstein himself from B-Plus Players Radio, ring announcer extraordinaire Mark Adam Haggerty will be signing 8 by 10 for every single caller on the show so if you call in again, that call in number three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number. If you call in to talk wrestling tonight, call in. Give us your Twitter handle or your Instagram handle so we know where to send it. Mark Adam Haggerty will send you an autographed eight by ten. If you just call in tonight, and that's what you want to do. You know that's what you want to do. You want to call in and talk wrestling? Call in. Let us know your thoughts. The Week in Pro Wrestling. Give us a call. And for your troubles, you'll get an autograph, 8 by 10 from Mark Adam Haggerty. But now, it is that time. Each and every week, we get to the point, you know it. It's the most, you can't get any better than listening to the show. The most comprehensive news report in the business, it is time for the Day 5 50-50 News Report. Good evening, Ken, and welcome to another edition of What Ken Just Said, the most comprehensive news segment in the pro wrestling podcast game today, the Day 5 50-50 News Report. Only heard at the top of the hour right here at the Ken Reedy Show, the best in pro wrestling talk. And before I get into this week's top stories, don't forget to follow B-Plus Players Radio on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram, or wherever you can find us. Like us or follow us to be a part of the best pro wrestling podcast network in the business today. More importantly, B-Plus Players Radio is where you can find this show each and every week. Catch the replay of our live Sunday shows dropping late Sunday evening, possibly early Monday morning. And if it's not available, then send your thoughts and concerns in a timely manner and politely, might I add, However, not possible to be so polite, then by all means, please use profanity. You have my permission. To the self-proclaimed king of swaggerty, Mr. Modest himself, Mark Adam Haggerty, who also hosts his very own show, The Outsider's Edge. So what are you waiting for? Subscribe to B-Plus Players Radio right now and see what I'm talking about. The pro wrestling podcast game is rapidly evolving 
and we would like for you to be a part of it with us at B-Plus Players Radio. And now that I've got all of that out of the way, the shameless plugs, it's time for this week's top stories. Kicking things off this week, a report from the UK Sun suggests that WWE and Conor McGregor are in discussions for the famed mixed martial artist to appear at next week, next, excuse me, tying over my words here, next year's WrestleMania 34 event. According to the report, McGregor has some loose ends to tie up in the UFC, but rather, but after that expects to accept is what the Sun is reporting, a big money offer from WWE. Allegedly, WWE reached out to McGregor last January to make an appearance at WrestleMania 33, but he turned down that offer. The article does not say if McGregor will be stepping into the ring for a formal match, but the site is almost certain that he will be, at the very least, making an appearance at the Grand Spectacle next spring. Now, following that rumor, UFC President Dana White was on Fox 5 News in New York this week, and he's disputed the Sun's claims of McGregor talking with WWE. White went as far as to showing the news anchor text messages between himself and WWE Chairman Vince McMahon, with Vince quoted in those texts as saying, news to me, with a question mark, and it might be good someday, but not now. After hearing this, many speculate that White may in fact be right. With rumors of Ronda Rousey competing in a WWE ring at WrestleMania 34, the company wouldn't attempt to bring McGregor in if they will already be spending the big bucks on Ronda. On a side note, she is still continuing her pro wrestling training at Brian Kendrick's school in Southern California. Rousey was stopped at an airport recently by TMZ, and when asked about her future with WWE in a very passive yet aggressive manner, she stated that if she was stepping into the ring, would we, wouldn't we all want to know and just be a fan and act surprised by her sudden appearance on WWE television? My second story this week. After announcing plans just a few weeks back, Impact Wrestling officially launched the Global Wrestling Network, the company's attempt at a streaming subscription service. The service includes every single TNA pay-per-view produced, including one-night-only events, monthly pay-per-views, and exclusive themed pay-per-view specials. Episodes of Impact Wrestling and content from Scott Nemours' Border City Wrestling is also available. The company also allows subscribers to order current Impact Wrestling pay-per-views at a reduced price. The price point for a monthly subscription starts at $7.99 a month after a 30-day free trial. The service will soon be available on Roku, Amazon TV, Xbox, and smart TVs. Feedback so far has been positive, with the exception that when customers attempt to enter their credit card information upon signing up, it appears that the site is not protected and is a WordPress site, which basically means that all of your information isn't guaranteed to be secure when signing up. Not a good omen for a company that is looking to make a fresh start. My third story this week, Academy Award-winning actor from hit movies such as The Hangover and American Sniper, Bradley Cooper, is up for the role of Vince McMahon in the biopic on the, on the WWE chairman titled Pandemonium. According to PW Insider, Cooper is waiting for an updated version of the screenplay before accepting the role. As of right now, the plan is to film in the spring of 2018 with a spring of 2019 theatrical release. But that is all contingent on casting and getting a final approval for shooting. In my fourth story this week, it was reported from the pro wrestling sheet that allegedly WWE and Neville may be on the outs. According to earlier reports this week, Neville had walked out and asked to be released from his contract before Raw went on the air over a creative decision for that evening's match with Cruiserweight champion Enzo Amore. Reports later came out via PW Insider 
that Neville, in fact, had asked for his release just recently. However, he was not present backstage at Raw or any live events last weekend. Numerous reports have surfaced claiming that Neville has wanted out of his WWE deal for some time now, as he wants to go back on the indie scene and reinvent himself in similar fashion that Drew McIntyre had done upon returning to WWE in NXT earlier this year. It's also being said that he's been frustrated with his position in the company, as well as not receiving royalties from the WrestleMania 33 DVD, as his Cruiserweight title match with Austin Aries was left off the DVD sold here in the United States. Most talents in the company expect a big royalty check or payday from appearing on the WrestleMania show, and Neville was one of those that did not. Also an alleged reason that Austin Aries recently quit the company back in July. And upon hearing this news, Joe Lanza of the Voices of Wrestling podcast reported over the weekend that several WWE talents are looking into requesting their releases from WWE after hearing of Neville's alleged departure. Lanza has reported that allegedly these talents, who he can't name at this time, have gone to current Ring of Honor World Heavyweight Champion Cody Rhodes for advice on an exit strategy. Rhodes, since leaving WWE last year, has had major success on the independent scene, carving out his own niche to the point that he's been quoted as saying that he doesn't need to go back to WWE anymore. Regardless of all that, WWE is publicly denying that Neville is gone from the company. Mike Johnson from PW Insider confirmed that on the Taz show this past week, that WWE is allegedly trying to convince Neville into staying with the organization. Dave Meltzer, on the other hand, claims Neville is 100% gone from WWE. One way or another, this relationship right now is rocky at best. And in my final story this week, WWE writer and backstage producer Jimmy Jacobs was fired from the company recently. Reports out from Ryan Satin and Pro Wrestling Sheet state that the proverbial straw that broke the camel's back was when Jacobs posted a picture of himself to his social media accounts posing with New Japan Pro Wrestling's Bullet Club outside of Raw in Ontario, Canada recently. California recently, excuse me. That was the very same evening that the Bullet Club staged an invasion parody outside of the arena, similar to the DX invasion of WCW Nitro in 1998. Another reason for Jacobs' release stems from a personal matter he was attending to over the summer, causing him to miss some time on the road with WWE. According to reports, WWE officials felt Jacobs used his social media to get himself over instead of doing his job that evening at Raw. And that kind of behavior was not acceptable by WWE management. The Young Bucks, Kenny Omega, and the rest of the Bullet Club spoke out publicly, bashing WWE for releasing Jacobs, along with their cease and desist letter to the Bucks for the use of the two-sweet hand gesture at a Ring of Honor Global War show Friday evening. To paraphrase what the Bullet Club had to say, basically, the actions from WWE as a corporation is not sitting well with them, and they are glad they can be free to be whoever they want to be in professional wrestling and don't expect them to join the WWE anytime soon. Needless to say, all this controversy has helped t-shirt sales for the Bullet Club over at ProWrestlingTees.com. Jimmy Jacobs, he didn't waste any time as he released a shirt of his own at ProWrestlingTees.com of the very same picture he was fired over with a newspaper-style theme and the headline reading, Fessional. Fellas, it's time to step up your game. It's time you stop giving us wrestling fans a bad name. It's time you start growing up while still being able to maintain your pro wrestling fandom. And the solution for all you single wrestling fans, door decor. Custom wreaths, signs, or any other home decor could add personality to one's cozy living quarters, even if it's in your parents' basement. It may, in fact, impress that lucky someone you've been eyeballing for quite some time now. 
Door decor could show your sensitive side and make those potential damsels in distress. Forget about your famed wrestling action figure collection you sold, you hold so near and dear to your heart. Not sure what you're looking for? Or do you have a special theme in mind? Maybe a pro wrestling theme. Maybe not a pro wrestling theme. Whatever it is you may be looking for, just reach out to Nicole on Facebook at Door Decor by Nicole. Or go to her Etsy store at Decor Door Boutique. She'll be able to help design and create the perfect piece to hang in your home. Or to show that special someone you're not as weird as your Tinder profile makes you out to be. What are you waiting for? The future Mrs. Kayfabe. She may be out there, and Door Decor wants to help. Like and search right now. And there you have it, folks. Thanks for tuning in to the Dave 5 50-50 News Report. Check back here next week for more rumor and innuendo as only I can report it. Now let's get this show back on the road. Ken, take it away. I'm pretty excited to, to hear that, that Bradley Cooper may be playing Vince McMahon in, in a biopic. I had heard, though, that the, the, the hang-up is Bradley Cooper learning the cadence and how to properly say chocolate cake. I've heard that's kind of the hang-up. So... And I think De Niro would. What was that? I think I think De Niro or Pacino could actually play a good Vince McMahon. Pacino more so than De Niro. Yeah, the, the, the thing is, like, just getting like the build. Like, you need the build, the physicality of, of a Vince McMahon. Yeah, that's true. I mean, yeah, I mean, you know, they're not exactly, you know, Jack Belane these days in their in their in their their later years. So I guess Bradley Cooper is the. Uh, the, the right pick, but yeah, I'm kind of curious the cadence and and how he would be able to, you know, perform like it's like a Vince McMahon. is so like, in, in all seriousness, I mean, I joke because I, you know, times I've almost dropped a weight on my foot like listening to the Pritchard show and doing his Vince McMahon impression. But part of it is like it's almost like an Elvis kind of thing. Like when you do a biopic, it's how do you do that that cadence properly? Um, and, and really, you know, buy in and, and do Vince McMahon justice without, like, all of us, you know, everyone who's a wrestling fan has a Vince McMahon voice. We all impersonate. And, and, and it's gotten to a point where a lot of us, including myself, it's like an impersonation of impersonation. Like, we take Pritchard's impersonation, and that's our Vince McMahon impression. But if you're doing a, a, a brutal... <laughs> If you're doing a true-to-life biopic, like, you have to kind of do that Vince McMahon justice, but at the same time not come off as a parody. It's easy to parody, and we're doing it here. You know, it's easy to say, like, ah, and, and, you know, all, all of us, if you're a wrestling fan, you, you have your Vince McMahon impression. But it, it's how do you do it if it's a serious biopic? How do you do it and have audiences take it seriously? Should be interesting to see how this unfolds and how exactly they do it. Three four seven eight three eight nine eight one five is the number to call. You want to talk wrestling? You want to talk Vince McMahon biopic? You want to talk about upcoming? You want to talk about Hell in a Cell? It's all on the table tonight. And if you call us, if you call us, you get. A Mark Adam Haggerty autograph, 8x10. 
just for your troubles. Let's go out to the phones right now. We got a caller on the line. Let's go out there. 914. Caller, are you there? Hi, Ken. It's Justin. Yes. Justin, how are you doing this evening? I'm doing good, Ken. I missed you guys. I miss you, too. It's been a while since you've called the show. Dude, you're like the consummate wrestling fan. You are the voice. You're the voice. That is most important when we talk about pro wrestling, when we talk about, you know, is the WWE delivering as a wrestling company, as an entertainment entity? Did you you get a chance to watch Hell in a Cell? And if so, what did you think of it? It was excellent. And there you have it, folks. From Justin's mouth, Hell in a Cell was excellent. And that's just it. The WWE, when they're going out there, they're putting out a product. That's what they need to deliver on. They need to give us an excellent product. And Justin is telling us that they delivered on that. Do you have a favorite match from the event last week? I like Becky Lynch because she, 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 she's a great competitor in, in the WWE. Becky Lynch is awesome. Was there any? I'm curious. What were your thoughts on the Usos versus New Day? I think the, the, the New Day is going to win. Which could have been possible for Ann, but it turned out the Usos did win the tag team titles. What do you think of the Usos as a tag team? They're 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 good competitors. I like where your head is at, man. They are good competitors. And that's that's really what we're looking for when we're looking at the world of pro wrestling. Um I know you said you're you're a Becky Lynch fan. I'm curious, you know, I mean, let's let's shift gears a little bit because Mickey James going after that Raw Ladies Championship. Um, what are your thoughts on Mickey James and Alexa Bliss moving forward, looking towards the future? Um, do you see Becky Lynch? Becky, I, and I, I'm I'm right there with you, Becky Lynch. I got Becky Lynch on the brain. Alexa Bliss, Mickey James. Um, do you think Mickey James has got a chance at taking that title? Or do you think Alexa Bliss is going to sustain her run at la- as Ladies Champion? I think I think I think Mickey James is going to keep the title. You think Mickey James? Yeah, she's going to keep it. Well, she doesn't have it yet, but she, you know she's she's had it multiple times, so um, this would be another run for her and. Uh, so you think Mickey James is going to emerge victorious against Alexa Bliss? Yes, she is. Well, there you have it. So, I mean, it's a little premature during our pay-per-view show, but you think Mickey James is going to go out? Well, another title run. Another, I mean, bonafide Hall of Famer Mickey James. You think she's going to get another title run in her? That's awesome. I just got to let you know, Justin, that there is there's a guy. There's a guy on the wrestling scene right now who is, he's doing the backstage interviews. He's doing the ring announcing. 
He's created a network, B-plus players. The guy is all over the independent wrestling scene. And he has decided for us that he's giving every caller tonight an autographed 8 by 10 His name is Mark Adam Haggerty. I don't know if you've heard of him, but he is big on the independent scene, big on the podcasting scene. So, Justin... Hmm? Let me ask you: Do you do you have a Twitter or Facebook or Instagram page? I I have Facebook. You have Facebook. That is awesome. What is your Facebook page? Well, you can look. I have it on my on my laptop right here, Ken. It's on your laptop. So if I just like hop in my car and drive over there, I could see it. Yeah. Justin, man, I, I, you need to call every week because I, I miss you calling every week. So I will try to find your Facebook page, but we're gonna do our best to get get it going. I don't on the air. I don't want to go through addresses and everything, but we're gonna work it out. Mark Adam Haggerty is gonna send you an autographed eight by ten just for calling in tonight. Thank you for supporting the show. Any last-minute things you'd like to say to everybody out there before we let you go? Tell Dave he's a he's a he's a wonderful man. <clears throat> Dave, you're a wonderful man. Well, tell Justin I say thank you very much for the compliment, and he is not so bad himself. You're welcome. What a nice guy he is. Oh boy. <laughs> Justin, please do not be a stranger. Thank you for calling in tonight. Thank you for uh, just continuing to support the show. Love when, love your phone calls, and uh, hope to hear from you real soon, brother. All right, Ken. You take it easy, man. Have a great night. All right. And there you have it. Justin calling us in. Calling in. He's all about Becky Lynch. Um. Well, let's you know, let's get into like this this week in pro wrestling, and let's get into you know lots of stuff like coming out of the pay per view, going into Monday Night Raw. Um, you know, one of the things like let's go behind the scenes, and you kind of touched upon it, Dave. And we've kind of like we've been really positive on the show, borderline gushing on what Neville has been able to do, and and I'll say like personally. I'm the type of, of guy that I – look, we do this show, and, and my personality, um, like, I'm – I will criticize people. I will – I'm objective. I'm a really objective guy. But just like anybody else, I can critique when when critiquing is warranted. We do this show, so – we would be dishonest on the show to be totally positive or totally negative. We're pretty objective on this show. One thing I I really freaking admire in any walk of life is when somebody isn't very good at something, when someone isn't really resonating, and, and it's anything. And, and I think this is a testament to any walk of life, and anyone who's listening to the show, what even what you might do for a living, when you might be 
not so good at what you're doing, the idea of being able to buckle down, nose to the grindstone, and kind of say, I'm going to work at it and get good at it, that I'm not going to take, because I think that any criticism we would have thrown Neville's way a while back would be warranted. I'm not backing off any of that at all. I think Neville was a spot guy at best. He was uninteresting to me. He was a guy that would give us a wow in a match because he he had some athletic ability. But I found him completely uninteresting as a character. And I admire the shit out of Neville going out there and getting good and and working at his craft and and doing something where whatever he did and I don't know if it was it was inside him already and he needed the opportunity or if he worked at it and figured out a character but I have all the respect and admiration in the world as a wrestling fan for Neville because I found him completely uninteresting as a character and then I was completely engaged and he became must-see TV for me. And that, that to me is really cool. Um, whatever walk of life it is, when you're, when you're, you don't resonate with fans and somehow you figure it out, that to me is awesome. Um, it's disconcerting now that it looks like at least for the time being, he may be done with the WWE. Um, I, to me, the cruiserweights, um, it's iffy at best. They've had some things that have worked, some things that have not. Um, I, to me, Neville was a linchpin of the cruiserweights and making the cruiserweights relevant. Um, he kind of tweaked his character to – I mean, it wasn't just – you can oversimplify and say, oh, Neville turned heel and look. But Neville turned heel and made his spots matter. He didn't just throw stuff away. He he worked in his athleticism where it made sense. I, I think Neville grew so much as an entertainer and a competitor once he turned heel – I don't know about you, Dave, but when I look at the cruiserweights, and, and uh, to me, if you're being positive, you could say it's been hit and miss. I honestly think if you're being realistic, you could sit here and say that the cruiserweights and 205 Live has been kind of a failure. That all being said, to me, you kind of need you need Neville around. Um, Adding ends of the cruiserweights helps, but it, it's a whole it's a whole show. It's a whole demographic that you need to kind of put over, and they haven't been able to do that. I am uninterested in the cruiserweights right now. It's been spotty at best. And, and Dave, when I look at the cruiserweights right now, losing Neville to me is a major, major blow. I think it is too, um, because. 
the cruiserweight presentation on WWE TV has been how do I put it? Um, misunderstood, lost, uh, kind of going through an identity crisis, so to speak. I mean, when the cruiserweight concept was brought back, and it was originally a, just a tournament on the WWE Network. Um, that tournament, the style of wrestling catered to a hardcore wrestling fan, catered to the smart marks and the internet wrestling fans, okay? I don't even like to use that term internet wrestling fan anymore because everyone has the freaking internet now, so it doesn't matter. You're, you're, you're a wrestling fan. Um, so I, I guess you could say the, the more the, the the smart marky kind of fan. Anyhow, that that style of wrestling catered to that that group of people and it and it gained a positive response from those fans i mean i the cruiserweight classic was seen as a success and then when it was put on the main roster and kind of wedged and shoehorned into monday night raw and then eventually getting their own show um it to me, it was it, it, there was a, there was drastic changes that took place, and it wasn't for the best for them. When you were when they were on the network and they did the classic and they did that tournament, it was treated as like a sport, with the referee raising the guy's hand, whoever's the winner, with the two guys standing after the post match and the pre match instructions. They had like an MMA element kind of to it that that people liked. I personally liked it myself. Guys are representing different countries and it had that like international like tournament Olympic style feel to it that I thought was a good and it was done really well. Now I'm not saying that that could translate over really well to WWE's main roster programming, but it didn't to me it was it it didn't cater to the main roster audience and I'm a big believer that a lot of people who have the network are hardcore wrestling fans like myself. And then there are a lot of people that casually have the network. Don't watch as much, but watch more of the main roster stuff that's on, that's on network and cable television. And they're not exposed to these guys like internet wrestling fans are. Like I said, I hate to use that term. Um, so what I'm trying to get at here is that like, I think they didn't know how to present the cruiserweights when they brought them into raw. And you're trying to fill time on Raw, but at the same time, they weren't necessarily a priority in a way. They were almost like what the girls used to be with, with the, the bathroom breaks for the matches. Um, and they didn't treat it with any kind of specialty, with the exception of changing the color of the freaking ropes, which was stupid to begin with. Um, and there wasn't really any kind of importance put on it until Neville had gotten the title. And they had some importance to it and they had the 205 live show but the 205 live show was kind of hard for them to and i still think to this day produce that show because you're going on live after smackdown has gone off the air and a lot of people are leaving early um and i really feel like the presentation from being in the in in all i wouldn't say an empty arena but a half-filled arena it just doesn't come across real well when they're presenting it on TV, as opposed to when they were doing it at Full Sail University where they tape NXT, everybody was into it. They had a packed house, and it had an intimate feel to it that helped make that presentation better. Um, and Neville kind of helped add some legitimacy to the title by holding it for a while because of his experience on the main roster before going into this cruiserweight endeavor. He, he 
he his role was designed to be the anchor of it, but also to help get other guys over who weren't so familiar with the audience. Um, and I just I, I don't think it necessarily worked because they didn't really have a set plan from the get go. I think the stuff with Enzo has been better um, because you could really sink your teeth into it. And quite frankly, Enzo is a little more popular than than Neville. Um, but it's a shame that someone as talented as him in the ring at stuff that he does. A lot of guys can't do, and he's in a class above him uh, by himself that he couldn't, he can't stay or he can't come to an agreement with with the company on what his role would be. Like I said, this is all rumors, so I'm not taking this as fact. But if it is true that he is gone, it's very unfortunate because he's a very talented guy and someone that could be uh, an anchor in ring for the company, not only in the cruiserweight division but even outside of that for a very long time. And that's just it. Like, you need multiple guys to hold that di- down that division. And, you know, Enzo is who he is. And, and, you know, he's a guy that I guess it helps the, the cruiserweight division adding him to it. But adding him to the cruiserweight division in addition to Neville helps the division. But with Neville leaving, it's kind of, all right, to me, like, I'm still uninterested in, in the cruiserweight division. And, you know, I don't know about you, Dave, but, like, I mean, I get, look, Enzo's a talented guy. I don't know how many of these stories are real or not um, in the cruiserweight division. But I'll say, all, all, the, all the stories aside, I'm a little bored with Enzo's thing. Um, and, and turning him heel, I think, works. But at the same time, fans like to chant along with his stuff. You know, fans want to, you know, I got one word for you. Let's spell it out. S-A-W. And, and the crowd likes to chant along with that. So it, it's not like, to me, as a traditional wrestling fan, it's not that, that real heel kind of vibe because, the crowd is still kind of into your shtick. So, and I, and I get it. Look, maybe I'm dated. Maybe I'm old. Maybe I don't look at wrestling the right way. And I'm willing to accept that. And and if you think that of me, well, you know, fuck you. Uh, but I, that all being said, <laughs> it's the, the, you know, I mean, the biggest problem is that I'm right, you know. And, um, but it's it, like, Dave, like, I'm curious, you know, when we look at this, I mean, and your your thoughts on Enzo. I mean, I think Enzo helped the cruiserweights, but I think he helped the cruiserweights with Neville there. Um, Neville leaving, it's still kind of, to me, the relevancy of the cruiserweights is still hurting. And now, you know, with, with, with Enzo losing the belt, I don't know. I'm still sitting here as we talk positively about Hell in a Cell, I have my doubts on what they're doing with, with the Cruiserweight Championship, Dave. Um, I'm not bored like you with the Enzo stuff because it's new. Um, there's some there's still some tweaking, I think, that can be done. Um, I mean, we talked about it on the No Mercy pregame show that, you know, him winning the title and adding some personality to that show and to that division and to that championship um, was, was helpful. And taking the backstage rumored heat that he apparently has or had at one point and incorporating that, you know, 
I'm better than you and I've made it to the big time in his character really helped not only his longevity, but added something to the cruiserweight division. I think, like you said, like, you know, being a heel, but then the crowd still chant along. There's two ways you can look at it. One, we live in a world of wrestling, especially with WWE, where they try to portray certain guys as whether they're good guys or bad guys. And a lot of times the fans like to have more involvement in making that in that process than management itself. And they will try to dictate what, what they want to see and how it was portrayed on TV. Roman Reigns is the best example. John Cena, both of those guys, are, and the core of their characters are tried and true white meat baby faces, yet the people boo them and crap all over them because they see through, in their eyes, they see through what the machine, the marketing machine that WWE is, is trying to portray to the fans, and they don't want it. They don't want it like that. With the exception now, WWE is basically saying, you know what, fuck you, this is who they are, this is who they're going to be. You're going to like it, we're going to make you like it, we're going to make money off of making you like it. With Enzo, if he's a bad guy, if he's a heel, and he's done a good job, he's kind of in that John Cena, Roman Reigns kind of category where some cities he'll get cheered a lot, and some cities they will, they will boo him for his heel tactics. But one thing they do need to get rid of is the whole sing-along with the crowd. If you're a bad guy, you don't want people singing along with you, you know. Get rid of that shtick. Maybe you can call the audience soft, but don't don't in, engage with the audience in that way because then they're, gonna, then they're going to think that you are a good guy. Change the music up a little bit. I mean, you know, there's still some tweaks that need to be made, but I'm digging the, the heel Enzo and how, what they've capitalized on all this alleged heat that he has or had at one point, and I think it's working for him, and I think it's working for the Cruiserweight division. But I don't think it was a smart idea to take the title off of him on Monday when they gave it to Kalisto. And I heard that they did it because it was Eddie Guerrero's birthday, and Eddie Guerrero had a big part in influencing Kalisto to get into the wrestling business, and, you know, they wanted that feel-good moment. But I feel like, this, the, you know, Enzo – was kind of on a roll and becoming relevant in many ways with this heel character as the cruiserweight champion. And it just kind of knocked the wind out of his sails when they took the belt off of him and gave it to Kalisto. But um, I'm not bored with it, but like, I, I agree with you. There needs to be some tweaks made if he's a tried and true uh, bad guy and go, singing along with the crowd and, and engaging with them like you're their friend is not the way to go if you're going to be a quote-unquote, bad guy in pro wrestling. Yeah, and then that's just it, man. It's, it's, I, I guess it's, you know, it, it's just some tweaking, you know, for me as a fan and, and looking at them, the, you know, it's not wholesale changes. And you bring up a good point, man. If he came out and was, you know, like if he was in New York and he's like, yeah, I'm in New York and I got one word to describe you and I'm going to spell it. And like like turn the S W A W F T on on like the crowd. Um, you could kind of stay true to the character, but kind of tweak it a little bit. You know, I, I think there's stuff to be done. I agree with you wholeheartedly. I think taking the title off him was a mistake. I I I think for better or worse. And look, we can sit here and argue semantics. We can debate on you know, what Enzo should or shouldn't do as a heel. 
in the Cruiserweight division. But I think both of us would be in agreement that Enzo is good for the Cruiserweight. Like, my, my biggest criticism is Enzo was good for the Cruiserweight with Neville. Like, you need to build this division. And in, in having Enzo but losing Neville kind of puts you back at square one. That all being said, I think a lot, most of Enzo's stuff has been decent. And you had the makings of, again, we're not going to go into that realm of good as a Bret Hart and a Stone Cold Steve Austin. But we had kind of a double turn. We had Enzo turning and being a heel. And we had Neville with everything he's done, and we have been really positive on the show talking about everything he's put on the table, that he's taken that edge that he's brought to his character, and now because of the respect and how good he is, he's been able to take that edge and kind of turn it into an edgy face, but he's gone. And to, to me as a fan, that kind of puts a cruiserweight behind the eight ball again. I love the match to end Raw this past week. And I don't know if it's necessarily the way you end pay-per-views or end Raws as opposed to, and I've gone back and I've said it time and time again on this show, I loved, loved the booking on WCW when they were doing it the right way, when the cruiserweights were almost that warm-up match to get the crowd hot. The cruiserweights became that almost like when you hear about you if you go if you're part of a live crowd on a sitcom, a stand up will come out and get the crowd hot before the the, the show actually starts. And no I, I don't intend that in any way, shape or form to be disrespectful to any cruiserweights. I think what they can do athletically is phenomenal. But that's what that's kind of the analogy I look at when WCW would really use the cruiserweights properly. It would get the it, they'd give you the spot fest, you'd get the crowd hot, and then they'd give you the meat and potatoes. And I think you can do that in WWE. It's just been wonky to me. And I think to me Neville is a big big loss I, to me like the way he's been able to evolve his character has been incredible it really has because my expectations of Neville were slim to none I expected nothing out of Neville I really looked at him as a spot monkey and that athletic talented mother effer proved me wrong he is much more than a spot monkey. He He's a wrestler, and he gets the entertainment value, and he gets the value of putting out a character. And to me, losing him is definitely it, – it's a, it's a big blow to the Cruiserweight. So, I don't know. Like, I'm curious how you look at it, Dave, because I look at, like, you know, Enzo joining the Cruiserweight is good. I don't know what we do as far as him losing the belt and what we do moving forward, but Enzo joining good, Neville 
losing him bad. So the cruiserweights are still kind of in the same spot. And it's weird to me when I look at a multi-billion dollar company and I still look at the cruiserweight division in the WWE as a division that they didn't really know what exactly to do with it. And it still seems a little bit wonky. Now, credit or, or like, props, I don't even know how to, like, not even, I'm not blaming the WWE. Neville up and leaving suddenly, I get it. You didn't know that was coming. So, creative, I'm not criticizing you there. But all I'm saying is that as this cruiserweight division has been built and put together, that it just seems to me it was almost like they were sitting in a boardroom one day. It was like, let's bring the cruiserweights back. Okay, yeah, yeah. Vince said, yeah, okay, we're bringing the cruiserweights back. With no actual idea of how exactly they were going to do it. And, and because of that, I think Neville is a big loss, and I'm still sitting here as a fan thinking, all right, I don't know the direction of this cruiserweight division, Dave. Yeah, I mean, losing Neville, if that's going to be the case, because I'm still, you know, of the, of the mindset that this is, you know, a rumor. If he is gone, it's a definitely a step back. Um, the one positive in, the, in, in, in this is that there are some talented guys in that cruiserweight division, and pairing them up against a guy like Enzo who is well-known and established and an established character and who has kind of gotten some heat on himself, I think could come out of that in helping make new guys in that cruiserweight division, more, um, you know, recognizable, established names. Um, people do have an idea who Kalisto is because he had spent some time on the main roster and some time in NXT, but, um, you know, pairing him with Enzo and putting the cruiserweight championship on him, I guess, is their way of trying to reestablish him and, and what his role is in WWE. Now, if they can do that for other guys, pairing them up against Enzo and, in, in some ways, piggybacking off of Enzo's heat, it's a good thing for those talents and for the division as a whole. But, of course, it would obviously be better if Neville was a part of it. But I still think there's, there's potential. But you've got to have a plan. If you don't have a plan and it comes across just, like, thrown together, people aren't going to buy it. They're not going to buy it plain and simple, you know. They, they, when they first brought the division onto TV, and like I said, I'm going to use that phrase again, shoehorned it, on to Monday Night Raw in three hours. I remember Rocky saying it was like, it's a good thing to have them on because it's more wrestling action and, you know, for three hours. But at the same time, they're only getting like three, four minutes apiece on Raw and they're being treated like filler matches. And when you're treating it like filler matches, nobody's going to care except for maybe the people that are watching in the audience in the arena that night. So bottom line is, I think they have some kind of plan moving forward. Hopefully they do, but it didn't seem that way when this whole thing was started out, and that's why I think that's one of the reasons. There's a few, but I think that's one of the reasons why people, casual fans, didn't seem to care about that division as a whole. And I think you're right. I mean, it's a good point. And Stanford, if you're listening, and all the respect in the world, like I get it. I'm sitting here. I'm sitting here yelling into my cell phone in this makeshift studio. 
that I have in my house. Um, I, I get it. This is what we do on Sunday nights. And I get it that the WWE, you're a multi-billion dollar company. I, I get it. I do. I get it. And I get it that you probably have more more smarter people. You have more smarter people than than, than maybe we have. I get it. I, I get I get that you're you should know better. But as a fan, and that's what I pride myself in on this show. We try to be the, the voice of the fan and and we look at things we look at things very objectively on the show. And when we look at the cruiserweight division, to a fan, it seems like you don't know what you're doing. And it's an afterthought. And it's a filler. And to what you said, Dave, referencing Rocky, it was kind of shoehorned in. Um, with, with no real plans as far as how we're going to put over the cruiserweight division. And that's why I give Neville a ton of credit because as a fan – Looking at it, I don't necessarily – I'm giving Neville the lion's share of the credit for his his character because I, I look, at, again, as a fan, and I don't know what goes on behind closed doors, but it to me it looks like the company didn't know what the hell to do with the Cruiserweight. Neville did an awesome job creating this new character, really helped the Cruiserweight, but it's still – is this entity that seems to be shoehorned in, seems to be, we don't exactly know what to do with the Cruiserweight. We know we want to do something. We just don't know exactly what. And losing Neville, again, and Dave, you bring up a really good point. We're talking right now, we're speculating, and we're giving our opinions this is all speculation. We don't know. This could be BS that the WWE is leaking and Neville is still in the fold and he's still in play. We do not know exactly what's going on with the Neville situation. So take everything. This whole conversation could be irrelevant. So, I mean, take it with a grain of salt. We're just talking about what we've heard and what seems to be the case of Neville being gone from the WWE. Um, it's just a situation where, look, uh, full disclosure, like the cruiserweights and the spot kind of thing, is is not my thing as a fan. Do I respect what these those guys can do athletically? Yeah, absolutely, man. Because I could never. I've been in a wrestling ring. Could never sniff what what Neville can do in the ring. Could never, never. Could never hope to do what he can do athletically. That that shit's phenomenal, um, but it, it still seems like creatively, and as a company, it's something that's being kind of forced. And it's oh wait, we have thirty seconds to kill. Uh, look, Raw Raw came up thirty seconds short on the rundown. What can we do? Hey, let's stick in a cruiserweight segment. And and that's what it feels like as a fan. Talent on that roster. Um, and maybe it's something that should have even been shoehorned in on Raw and they should just be 205 and leave it alone over there. But to me, that's part of the problem, that 
it's it's not necessarily been given enough of its own spot, and I'm curious where it's going to go moving forward because, to me, when I came out of Raw and I was like, the Cruiserweight division lost Neville, and now Enzo's not the champ, I was like, wow, okay, like, now as much as the minuscule amount of interest I had in the Cruiserweight is now borderline dunk, so... I don't know. I, I, you know, we're real positive with what they did with Hell in the Cell. Um, being honest and being objective, I still don't see um, what they're doing exactly with the Cruiserweight division moving forward. And that is probably the most we've ever talked about the Cruiserweight division on on this show ever. Um, and we got like we got less than five minutes left, and probably the biggest story in pro wrestling. The Shield reunited. Dave, honestly, the storytelling and, and getting them back together, to me, kind of seemed a little forced. But they're together. The crowd popped. And this is why this show is the best in pro wrestling talk. Because we'll recognize, even if opinion-wise we don't necessarily like it, when the crowd responds, We'll recognize that that's what happened. And I thought the storytelling was a bit forced, but the crowd was going batshit crazy for the Shield being back together. I'm curious how long it's going to go, but Dave, probably the best faction, at least over the past decade, reunited. I'm looking for at least a few months of, of having some fun with this faction. Your thoughts on the Shield getting back together? I thought it was cool, like the 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 actual you know reveal, um, but like you, I did feel it was very forced. I mean, you know, when they started name dropping and you know the, the uh, rumors of a shield reunion, it was just kind of came out of nowhere. Like you knew eventually it was going to happen, but you know the payoff was that they they reunited and and they they were up to their old tricks, just you know laying guys out, and I thought it was cool and. Um, I don't see this being a real long-term uh, project. Um, I think this was done to um, kind of boost uh, ratings and, uh, you know, maybe subscriptions or pay-per-view buy rates because we, we've talked about it, the fall time of year and fall into winter is notorious for, you know, uh, WWE taking a beating because of football and other things going on. So um, I don't see this being very long-term. Um, I mean – it, it it's 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 funny how two faced most wrestling fans are. A week before, or even I would say like minutes before the Shield debuted, when Reigns was out there, it was boo, you suck, we still don't like you, you still suck, you can't wrestle. But when he was out there with those other two, and the three of them were together, it was like, yay, you're my friend again. So like, I'm really interested to see how long that's going to last, and then when they do separate them um are they going to go back to doing that which i have a feeling they will unfortunately but i don't think that they're going to i think they'll be the shield for you know a month or so maybe even two months but um i don't think they'll be like an official unit per se i think they'll just kind of like help each other out and i don't know i don't see it being like i said very long term but it's cool you know i got no i got no issues with it other than the forced uh storytelling and that's how i feel about it 
Yeah, wrestling fans suck. <laughs> uh, you're right. It, it's amazing that, like, it's like, we ain't Roman. Roman sucks. You can't wrestle. Oh, wait, wait. He's coming out with Dean Ambrose and Seth Rollins? Yeah! Yeah! I mean, it, it, it's incredible. It really is incredible to, to watch wrestling fans and, uh, you know, it, it's amazing, like, because there's stuff circulating around, like, wrestling universe, like, you know, the Shield, best faction ever, like, shut up. Like, just stop. Like, stop. You know, we've reached an era where everyone has to rank shit, like, historically. Shield is awesome. They are. They're great. They're great for what they are. They're, they're great for who they are in this time period. Like, stop. Just Stop. Stop. They, 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 we don't need to rank them historically. We don't need to think of them as the greatest faction ever. It's fun stuff, and I agree with you, Dave. I look at them as short-term at this point. Let's see where they go. It should be fun. It was kind of wonky storytelling to get us to this point, but they gave us a shield, and look, you can't argue with the pops they were getting. So, Cool and the gang is we're like we're running out of time here. Thank you all for tuning in tonight. Justin, thanks for calling in. We're gonna make sure we get you an autographed picture of Mark Adam Haggerty. Tune into our Facebook page this week. We got some scheduling issues coming in the next weekend. We'll let you know when the show is gonna be on. For Dave, I am Ken. Good night, everybody. <laughs>